0: Welcome to Rock Album Analysts, your weekly podcast where three lifelong friends, rock musicians, and rock fans take an in-depth look at a different rock album each week. This is your host, David
1: Lucarelli.
2: This is John Carson. This is Mike Avigan. This
3: is Dave O'Leary.
1: And I'm last but not least, Ryan Zufrieden.
0: And today we're going to do something a little different. We've now done essentially every KISS album. And so now we're going to do the last podcast, our final word about KISS, where they've been, what they've meant to us, where we'd like to see them go uh, before we move on to start analyzing a completely different bands. So um we're just going to keep this real loose and free form. Mike, you had said uh, you wanted to go through. Um, now that we've considered all the albums, what what is your favorite Kiss album?
4: My favorite Kiss album is 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 always going to be Kiss Alive Two. You know, just because it it captures the energy of, of a live Kiss concert. Um, you know, whether or not you believe things were overdubbed. You know, after they you know recorded those performances. You know. It, it's by the wayside but like in terms of like if you want to know what kiss sounds like you know in that era i think no album captures that other than kiss alive too but in terms of uh, just a, a studio record i i kind of thought well, if you could just add like an ace Frehley song to rock and roll over you might have like you know the ultimate album might have been you know rock and roll over with an ace Frehley song on it you know to me because they're always chasing after that elusive thing, like what do we sound like in, in a live situation? Rock and roll was recorded in a, in, a, in a theater. The idea was to capture what they sound like live, you know. And I think I think they achieved that with with, with that record. And you know, it, to me, it, it's been the, the benchmark for them that they might have revisited for uh, Sonic Boom. So I, I kind of yeah. have two favorites, you know, and which would be Alive too. And in, in terms of the live representation, but in terms of the studio presentation, I would say rock and roll over really kind of sounds like them because it's not as timid as early records in their career. You know, the uh-huh. first three records are really great. They're really arranged well, but they, they kind of, they sound like they're kind of holding back, like in terms of tone and presentation and, and pushing forth and, and passion, but rock and roll over to me just kind of breathes in a way. Like it sounds like a live band and you know, I, I would have to say, yes, my favorite, you know, kiss record is two. I would say Alive two and rock and roll over.
0: It's funny that you say that because I think our number one listened to podcast was uh, Kiss Alive Two, and I think Rock and Roll Over might be number two <laughs> or three. So uh, obviously, some, there's some people out there listening that would agree with you, um, Dave O'Leary. Your thoughts?
3: Well, Mike and I are of uh, like minds. Uh, for me, it's uh, far and away is Kiss Alive Two. Um, you know, for personal reasons, having attended those shows. To what extent they use those shows we'll add that caveat um but there's just an energy about that performance some people think it's a little too fast and yes the audience is piped in and and and, and very much over the top perhaps mm-hmm. but i like that you know I, I think it did capture the energy of what kiss represented to a, a fan like me the age that I was at the time, and and um, I, I can't think of another document that they've had um, that really captured the essence of of the Kiss energy and mystique to me, and the Super Kiss as uh, as Alive Two did, and certainly Side Four was, in, in my mind, um, was was fairly epic as well. Um, and then I think if I was going to go to a studio album, it would be really really tough. Depending on what time of day it would be, between Rock and Roll Over, and uh, depending on my mood, maybe Destroyer. But Rock and Roll Over just kind of gets the, the 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 nod a little bit more because I do like the energy of, of Rock and Roll Over. I think it was a little more organic compared to its predecessor. Um, but those are fine records. And uh, uh, on a sidebar, uh, after we're done with this, I'll, I'll send you something relative to a live Too that you can share with everybody
0: okay cool look forward to that uh ryan your thoughts
1: um well live album of course comes to mind because i remember when i was getting back into kiss in the late 80s i went to the record store and i got kiss alive because and the guy at the record store said the greatest live album ever made he was really enthusiastic and happy I got that album. So, Alive was the first, uh, I guess the first time I realized how great Kiss was. Uh, as far as live albums go, I, you know, it's kind of a toss up. Rock and roll over, of course, is, you know, basic rock and roll and the cover is probably my favorite cover. Um, but on the other hand, the first KISS album, how can you really forget the first one, because it came off the heels of glam rock and it's just, you know, the, the first uh, first KISS there, how can you forget that? But then again, Love Gun <laughs> is also the height of their popularity and uh, Ace Sings a Song, which I agree, Shock Me is probably one of my favorite KISS songs, Almost Human, I mean, I Stole Your Love, um, you know, even Hooligan, I'll, you know, uh, so I don't know. I can't really, uh, I don't know if I can pick a favorite studio album, but I'll, I'll go with the live. although Alive 2 was filmed in my backyard of, of the Forum, but I was just too young to appreciate it. But as far as opening up that gatefold and seeing that, that classic shot, I mean, that's the epitome of a KISS concert, so... That was pretty awe inspiring too when I was getting back into Kiss in the late '80s as well. John,
2: uh, my stuff comes from—I mean, I agree with everybody's choices. My stuff comes from a more emotional point of view. Alive One is the first time I ever heard Kiss, so it'll always be my favorite Kiss album. Um, my parents bought it for me for my for like Christmas, I think, and when I was like eight years old or whatever. And I just played it to death. It was too good to be true. It was really good. Um, and just, you know, literally blew my mind and made me a Kiss fan for like forever. Uh, and then I'd have to say, I know this is going <laughs> to, um, it's probably actually the story, but emotionally, I think it's Lick It Up, mm-hmm. because that was the first Kiss album that hit me right at the time when um, I was becoming like a musician, like actually learning how to play stuff. And so it struck me as like and then it was 14. I'm in eighth grade. You know what I mean? That's when that stuff is viscerally hitting me as a teenager, you know what I mean? And, and really having an effect on me and, you know, young and wasted and, you know, um, all the songs on that, uh, hell, all hell's breaking loose, you know, all that kind of stuff that was sort of very, you know, rebellious to an eighth, you know, an eighth uh, grader like that when it came out. Um, so that's what I'm going to, actually say is mine although it's it's actually probably destroyer but i think i I really do think alive one and and lick it up are my two favorite uh kiss albums
0: okay well uh i'm just looking at our analytics here kiss alive 2 is the most listened to podcast we did then rock and roll over then destroyer then love gun and then the ace fairly solo album so apparently we're we're on pretty similar pages um my myself if i had to choose a live album i would say probably kiss alive Two, um just because i have the personal memory of an 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 emotional attachment i remember i was very sick and you know my mom bought that for me as as kind of a, a gift uh to to make me feel better and uh I have that memory too of, of opening it up and seeing that picture and getting the tattoos and putting them on and, you know, it, it's, it's hard to divorce all of, all of those fond memories from, from the actual album. Um, it, it Kiss Alive one in some ways may be yeah. a better album, but I don't have those fond memories associated with it. And you know, makeup album Destroyer. Mm. Um, I, I think that that album, for me, um, really broadened what the band was capable of and and what their the implications of what their makeup identities were all about uh, in a way that they hadn't done previously and in some ways haven't done since mm. and uh, but if I had to choose one non-makeup studio album I'll agree with John lick it up
3: yeah I agree there too I,
4: I agree there too but also you gotta yeah. throw in revenge and that you, know, you, had, you gotta look at you know it's there are different yeah. eras of the, the non-makeup uh, kiss and you know I think lick it up when I remember I remember bringing that record to school and giving it to my friend saying check this out and he listened to it and brought it back the next day and said oh my god they're, they're kicking ass on this record, you it was a whole different ballgame from, you know, the kiss that we knew from the 70s, you know, Lick It Up was badass. But Revenge was also badass in the way, but also a little more more mature in terms of their approach to songwriting. And, you know, it, it seemed like less bombastic in a way, but just still that that the, the strength that, that, that Lick It Up had as, as an album in a way, you know.
0: Yeah, it was definitely an album that you could be proud of as a Kiss fan mm-hmm. in a way that maybe you hadn't been able to be since "Lick It Up." Yeah,
4: and also I think of this too, and yeah. not to you know jump in, but I'll say this: if you had to convince somebody or you know recommend records, you know the Kiss is recorded to, you know, somebody who's never heard them. If you gave them "Rock and Roll Over," if you gave them "Lick It Up," if you gave them "Revenge," they would say, "Oh my God, this is so great! It's so different." But it's all still so great. And yes, is it the same band? Yes, it is. You know, so even the more impressive that they could they could sound like you know the seventies, they could sound like the eighties, they could sound like the nineties, and and still deliver on all those fronts. I mean, if nothing else, they're diverse. They've got a catalog repertoire. I mean, they, they adapt with you know the the environment and, and the changes in, in, in the musical field, and they always somehow are competitive, and that's amazing to me. <laughs> they can well also. Also
0: think about just from the albums "Unmasked," "The Elder," "Creatures of the Night." Those could be three different albums by three different yeah. bands. Certainly, the approaches to the playing and the songwriting uh, are very different on each three, uh, each of those three albums. You know that in and of itself, that a band could change that much over such a short period of time in terms of just their approach to playing their instruments and writing songs, kind of blows me away.
3: Well, Dave, I, I think to, to everybody's points here, something that's, you know, that, that, that doesn't fall past me um, as a fan and just an observer of other fans and their tastes and their appreciation for the different albums that Kiss has done over the course of their history. And that is, you know, Kiss is one of those unique bands that it's hard to pick one or two favorite records. And there's not really, if you think about it, and you really think about it critically, how many bands exist that have that problem for their fans? Yeah, right. They really truly are breathing rare air. And I, and I, you know, I take my hat off to them, and I'm, I'm of course I'm grateful because I'm a fan of all those records, but they, they truly accomplished a hell of a lot in the last 48 years to have the catalog that they've put together that appeals to so many different people in so many different emotional ways, they're all relevant in their own way. You can make an argument for all of them, whether you like them or not. But in the end, it's hard to make a singular choice of what is your favorite album amongst that entire catalog. And a lot of bands could never will never be able to say that.
2: Yeah, they they have albums that span any mood. It's how are you feeling today? Which kiss album are you gonna put on? You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Yeah. Now, here's a fun, well, Dave, did you, okay, you did it. Here's a fun question. What is your least favorite Kiss album?
0: Uh, I got to go with Carnival of Souls, but Crazy Nights is right behind it. Just because I think that uh, just from the lyrical standpoint of Carnival of Souls, a lot of the songs feel like a betrayal of everything that they've stood for and their whole attitude before and after it just seems it feels very forced and contrived to me and crazy nights because it feels forced in another way like they're trying to be much more of a pop band than they actually are or even you know feel natural being Mm -hmm. but how about you
2: well, I was going when to, when I started this question, I was going to give the caveat, you cannot pick Peter Chris's solo album. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's my, that's, uh, that's my least favorite, but um, and Carnival of Souls hurt to listen to, um, but it's, you know what, that's actually funny that you say that, because I would almost, that's almost exactly what I'd agree with. I didn't necessarily really like, I liked Sonic Boom, but not as much as I expected to. You know what I mean? I wanted it to be better, um, so I, I I agree with you with those two. Carnival Souls and uh, Crazy Nights. Even Asylum starts to creep in there as not, or no, Hot in the Shade actually to me kind of creeps in there as not being particularly good. But um, yeah, I I actually I'd have to agree with you. Carnival Souls is probably their worst album.
0: I mean, I know what you're saying about Sonic Boom. To me, Sonic Boom is like when you turn on the faucet of creativity and you're trying to write new original songs within the context of kiss and you haven't done it for a really long time, it takes a while for the water to trickle out and for the rust to get, you know, come out of the pipes and to push through before you're really back and capable of your full potential. So I think that carnival, I mean, I think that Sonic boom was a necessary step for Mm -hmm. them to get to the position where they could do an album like monsters.
2: Yeah. Okay. Point I, I mean, I, I like it for its raw, you know, for its sort of mm-hmm. rawness and almost quickness. You know what I mean? That they did it, but it, it sort of felt very generic. There's nothing on Sonic Boom that sticks out to me. There's not a song when I'm like, I want to put that on a playlist somewhere, you know, which I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's um, there's lots of bands that have disbanded and then come back and put out these not disbanded, but haven't put out something for a long time and then rejoin and put out these amazing works. And that's what I expected, sort of, from Sonic Boom. I guess, you know, yeah. I guess I was kind of let down. So that's all,
0: um, Dave O'Leary, Your least favorite?
3: Well, you've hit on a couple, but I'm going to go with "Hot in the Shade." Okay. I just, I, I just thought it was uh, it was anemic, almost front to back. Uh, you know, one or two songs stood out to me, but I think we we brought it up in that particular podcast. It had been, probably been better served as an EP at the time. But I just think there's so much filler on that record that it just it overwhelms anything that I could say that was a, 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 a big strength about that record. So that would be mine.
0: I can see that. Uh, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I agree with Carnival of Souls. It's just too dark and uh, dirgy. And uh, I mean, it, it, some of those riffs are interesting. But when I think about Kiss and that kind of style, it's just... It's just a little too uh, far out there. So as for a Kiss album, I don't really want to put it on. Okay.
4: Mike? All right. Then uh, all of the, the, the three Stooges. I will pick two, And I will say Carnival of Souls for sure is probably my least favorite Kiss record only because it's not really, you know, it, is it a Kiss record? It sounds like other bands of that era. And I've always said the Kiss sounds better when they're trying to be Kiss and not be somebody else um it's a great record it's the playing is executed well it's great but it doesn't really sound like kiss it sounds like Kiss trying to be somebody else but if i had to really pick what i would call like a real kiss record that is my least favorite i would agree with david earlier and say that hot in the shade because there's a little too much filler they're trying too hard it's like there's demos on that record you know it sounds like a you know at their best they sound like kiss when they should sound like kiss but at their worst on that record it's filler there's kind of you know phoning it in. And it, it, that to me is not the best way to approach you know a, a studio record. You know, we've, we've all recorded and you know it's gotta be strong from again from, from beginning to end. And also it's too long. There's just too many songs. That's 15 yeah. songs. You know, yeah. now, well, there's 15
0: songs. Yeah. Now there's no denying that there's a lot of filler yeah. on that record. You know, sure. and,
4: and I'm always for like if you have really great material, if you've got 18 great songs and put them all out at the same time, but you know, much like the you know, a band like the Eagles You know, Hotel California is what, like nine, 10 songs, tops, you know, and and all those songs are great. You know, sometimes giving people less is is better than giving giving them more. Yeah. Yeah, But those would be my two picks. So here's
0: a question for you. Paul Stanley has obviously done a ton of interviews this week because Soul Station has come out. You guys may have listened to some or all of it, uh, but one of the things that he's consistently said in the interviews is there will be no new KISS album because he doesn't see a need for it. Um, He actually, at one point when KISS was touring, uh, said that there would be a new KISS album and started talking about that live. Um, Apparently he's changed his mind. I get it. I understand his his reasoning and and certainly they have a, a rich catalog full of depth. I mean, you know, but uh, what are your thoughts about Soul Station and what are your thoughts about there being no new KISS music?
2: Um. OK, so Soul Station. Ooh Child is actually, if you had to list like the top hundred songs that I like, Ooh Child is actually up there in the, probably in the top 25 somewhere. Always has been since I heard it as a kid, you know what I mean? Um, And it feels a little dirty. I don't like him doing it. So it's almost automatically turns me off to it. Um, So I don't really, I don't really have an opinion of Soul Station. Soul Station seems like this is what I'm going to do in my retirement. It's like his hobby. Um, he, I don't know if he's making any money off of it or whatever. Um, I'm fine with No New Kiss albums because I'm starting to feel like th- there's enough out there. You know what I mean? Like The Last Monster had some great songs on it, but still it's not necessarily an album I'm going to go back to and revisit. You know, same with Sonic Boom, same with Revenge. I mean, Revenge I'd probably revisit. Um, so I worry that they would just be, I mean, it almost, they They're at the point now where they are, in essence, a nostalgia act. And I would argue that started almost the time of um, revenge. But maybe not. I mean, don't don't bite my head off on that. But they're a band now that can rest on their laurels of their catalog rather than having to worry about creating something new to grab people's attention. Making an album essentially would just be an excuse to tour. I mean, I don't know how. So it seems like why bother? Why not just tour? I mean, you've got the, you've uh, one of, you've got the Bob Dylan endless tour. Bob Dylan has not written another song since mm-hmm. you know his. I think. Well, no, he did do it. He did do a cover album of blues songs. I think somewhere in a couple of years ago or whatever. But if you go to see him live now, which I did, I think, was it last winter? I don't know. It was right before COVID hit, um, but yeah. he um, yeah, you know, he he takes all of his songs and he doesn't play them the same way. You know what I mean? The only way you're going to catch what the song is, is because you understand what lyric it is. You know what I mean? Like and to be perfectly honest, you know, I got Highway 61 two minutes into it, I got, of you know, of the Thin Man, you know, there's something going on, Mr. Jones, and you don't know what it is until I heard that lyric. So I could almost see Kiss turning into the, sort of this almost like, you know, why not go the route of Bob Dylan and not necessarily go as crazy as he is, where he's essentially rewriting all of his songs musically, you know what I mean? Uh, and in many cases, that's almost to be like a, a a jerk just almost to be like, well, if you like the songs then you should like these, you know, this is the band I'm playing with, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But to start creating, you know, do the kiss conventions, do the kiss tours where they pull out the older songs or maybe do, you know what I mean? Or do like uh, find the Wicked Lester (laughs) demo and re, you know, redo it or something you know what i mean like they're they're at the point now where i just don't see any reason to do a new album
0: okay uh dave o'leary
3: you know i soul station i'm okay with it you know i i bought it of course i support you know the artists that i like um but you know i listen to it once or twice it doesn't offend me at all i understand where paul probably is at this point in his life it's a passion project for him and it makes him happy and it's the thing that gets him up in the morning now and makes him feel like he could be creative, then hey, more power to you. Um, is it an album that I'm going to go back and listen to repeatedly? Probably not. But I understand and respect where I, his viewpoint where he's coming from. Um, and I hope he finds a market for it. I really do. But I don't want to see, personally, as far as new Kiss albums, I'll be blunt. Paul's voice is never going to be what it used to be. And it, it it's very difficult for me as a huge that's an understatement fan of paul stanley you know his first solo album to me was you know what um i I tattoo it to me if i could i love that record i love his old vocals uh but he is not what he used to be and it's it pains me to a certain extent to listen to the paul that exists today and that's no fault really of his you know look he's almost what 70 years old now i can't expect him to you know perform the way he did when he was 25 years old in fairness so it's it's hard for me to wrap my mind around or fully embrace a, an album where I know he's not going to be the Paul that I as a fan, me personally, would like to see. I would rather see what they're doing and we know they're going to be doing now as we talk about the you know, the older catalog is is those those box sets that we all know will be forthcoming at some point sooner than later. And they can go back and and pull those old demos out and those alternate takes and the alternate mixes and all those things. And we can kind of rejoice and kind of go back in time and listen to the perspective of the band as it was then. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That's it.
1: Okay. Uh, Ryan. Well, having seen Soul Station live with you you and Mike. Uh, I believe we walked out of it.
4: Yeah, uh, we you and I walked out of it. You guys uh, out. Andrew I Carter and Mike went back in. <laughs> yeah. 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 I knew it was gonna get better. I, I was I knew somehow. I was just not in the mood, but I don't
1: know. Um when I see a band like that, I used to work for an event planning company and they had a big, big band like that. So Whenever I see a big big band I I just have to uh say sorry, not for me, but once again I'm glad Paul's, you know, doing it and he seems happy about it and he was obviously influenced by that stuff when he was a kid as we all, you know, were growing up with our own things. So uh more power to him there. Um probably won't be getting it. Uh As far as another Kiss album, um, you know, they did, they gave us, you know, with Sonic Boom and and Monster. I guess I don't know if they're going to be able to top that or what they could possibly do. So I'm not expecting any new Kiss album, though I do think maybe there might be a new, new, new Kiss, maybe somewhere, maybe sooner than later. You know, if you guys see that they pick them and, maybe uh i would think 2024 would be a good launch date for the uh new new kiss so maybe we will see a new kiss album i don't know but i don't expect paul and jean to do it they're close to retirement age how much longer can they you know keep doing hey, bob this? dylan does it
2: he <laughs> looks like he's about yeah. to drop
1: Yeah, I guess they could. I mean, studio work, you could take your time and stuff, but where's the money in it? Because didn't like Doc McGee want to sell Monster or one of the last ones for like a dollar or something? He he said, this isn't going to really sell. We got to give some enticement. And I guess they gave us a a DVD and the Kiss Classics in it. And they got to give us some kind of enticement, I guess. But I don't know if it's what we need now. We just need kiss concerts i mean i'll go to, i'll see kiss live even if paul and gene have to lip sync the whole thing in their 90s probably <laughs> assuming this uh pandemic goes away but right mike your
0: thoughts soul station and new kiss
4: yeah i would say soul station you know it's going to have a life as long as it can have you know it's got a limited market like he's basically recording probably like 60 classics and some new songs you know and how how interested is it it, that is somebody that that loves like you know Smokey robinson or you know otis redding how how is that going to translate into to that market you know are you going to say okay you know i love otis redding but otis redding or whoever it is you know i i don't know i'm again i buy into the concept of the fact that if he's doing new music he's got a full band around him and and that's He's inspired by that, then so be it. Do that, do it, you know, do it. Yeah, do it to you know to your your heart's content. But at the same time, I just don't know how marketable it is. You know, I mean, you know, these days, you know, the last thing we'll try to be doing is, you know, if if you have an established band like Kiss or you know the Stones or Black Rose or whoever, you know, know, you're lucky. You're Def Leppard. Like, when are you gonna be playing out live in front of people? You know, and how are you gonna support this record? it might be I have I ordered it I haven't received it yet but I haven't hold the full I have heard the whole thing but you know what are you going to do behind that record you're going to support you know 16 guys in a band on the road and bankroll that and sell that to an audience
2: you know that that's a, that's a that's a tall order well the question is yeah you bring up an interesting point who is it for I mean it, it coming off like a it's coming off yeah, like a it, vanity yeah. project you know what I mean um, but You know, I mean, it's not like, is he bringing new KISS fans to the, you know, (laughs) to... Well, probably some. I mean, we're at this point now where, like, I mean, you know, we're all in our 40s and 50s here. So, I mean, like, we like soul music. You know what I mean? And if we don't like it, well, we're not going to like it. You know what I mean? I mean... There's, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of, it seems like a vanity project. I mean, who's, but you guys pay, did you guys pay to go see him? Yeah, yeah, yeah we did.
1: 75 bucks. How much was it? <laughs> 75 bucks, I think, wasn't it? It was up there.
2: Damn. 60 something. Well, how's he, never mind. I'd be interested to see the numbers on who's going to see it. Like, is it all just Kiss fans or is it like, Hey, I want to see a bunch of, I mean, I saw the band, the band's a bunch of white dudes playing black people's music. I mean, it's, you know, it's, and I mean, Mike and and David, and you know, if you grew up in Pittsburgh, you know, all about, you know, white people playing the blues. I mean, that's what we do here. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, so there's a part of me that's, and there's even parts of me that if, because if you watch, um, if you're looking for a cool documentary, there's a documentary in the history of country music. And the first episode is really interesting. It's the Ken Burns country music thing. It talks about how poor whites and poor blacks mm. work together to sort of invent country music. It was the European fiddle from white people and the African banjo from black people that sort of created you know, this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm a little more lenient towards my white people doing black people music and black, you know what I mean? But it just seems weird you know it seems you know you know i don't
3: know i, I agree with you because i'm a huge r&b soul fan martin mm. gay all i mean, I, right. I grew up with my first love of music my first memories of music i used to live in the duncan projects in jersey city and my my best friend who mm. lived across the hall from me um his mom his older sisters they had you guys might remember these old 45 these vinyl things right um and the little battery operated record players, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the floor, some of my earliest memories was watching those Motown records spin. I have all those labels memorized. You know, photographic memory, with those, those mm-hmm. labels, those beautiful labels. And a couple of years, maybe a year and a half, two years ago before COVID, I was in Detroit on business and my big butt running one of those scooters and rode from my hotel all the way down Rosa Parks Parkway to do a pilgrimage to Motown. And it's hollow ground to me. Mm-hmm. And, but as you as I made that track I made that journey you go through some of those neighborhoods where some of those artists came from and I put myself in there best I could I would stop and try mm-hmm. to almost smell the air to say man you know what a journey they had you know and, and, and how fantastically creative they were and the time yeah. that they were in the magic that it created I just think when somebody like Paul and, and I'm not just you know picking on Paul here but just you know artists in general that go back and try to replicate that and really don't bring anything new to it, which I think is the case with Paul, by the way, it just doesn't do anything for me. I I just much, much, much prefer the original. I'll stick with that.
0: Yeah, I I think it's coming from a genuine place. I think he has a a genuine love of of this Mm. type of music in his heart and he wants to share it with people. Um, you know, and I, I'm with you. Like I, I appreciate the temptations and Motown and, you know, I think all that stuff is great. And, and there is, I want to like this album a lot more than I do. Um, the one song on it that I can unabashedly say, I think is really good is save me from you, which is the first original song that he wrote for soul station and i think that's just a good song period but i could hear like a hard rock arrangement of that song like i could hear kiss doing a version of that song and it being a great song so mike you were still in the middle of your answer you haven't sort of touched on new kiss music
4: Yeah, sorry. Again, I haven't heard the whole, you know, uh, Paula Soul Station record and, you know, I have an opinion on that at some point. But in terms of new Kiss stuff, I have to say this, you know, obviously on the current tour, they're still, you know, trying to sell the point of Say Yeah as a current Kiss song. that needs to be in the set list, you know? So obviously in their gut, they want to sell the concept of the fact that we are still a a current band. We have new material and and they're trying to sell that concept, you know? I think... Deep down inside, I think they might want to do it. You know, whether or not we want to hear it or whether or not they can do it is debatable. But, you know, I think they're creative people. You know, they're tremendously creative people. They're talented as all hell. It's, it's in them to do that. But to me, the most interesting thing to be, if you brought in, you know, Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter and threw those guys in the room and said, okay, do another Kiss yeah. album. You know, that, that would be the most interesting thing. Do we need to hear a new album from, you know, the current lineup? Again, debatable. And I'm not trying to, you know, downplay the current lineup, but like for God's sakes, you know, the, you know, all the Beatles are not alive. You know, all the guys in Led Zeppelin are not alive. You know, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix is not alive. You're not coming back anytime soon. All these guys are alive. You know, can you just get in a room together and write some songs?
0: It would, be, it would be interesting like if you took like a Rick Rubin, a producer that's known for kind of
4: yeah.
0: boiling bands back down to their essence and, and then yeah. eliciting good new material from them. Could he actually do something with the original lineup of Kiss? I wonder.
3: Good choice, Dave.
4: Yeah, great choice. Yeah, because he did with Tom Petty, did, you know, Johnny Cash. I mean, you know, H-C. 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 H-C.
3: H-C. yeah, great point.
4: AC/DC, yeah. yeah.
0: Now Mike did you hear that Richie Scarlet did a new song with Peter Chris the Cats and the Emperor?
4: Yeah. I, I heard it, you know, I, I you know I have known Richie for years, man. I I've, I've been to see that guy, you know, every time I go see the guy, he hands me a guitar pick like I you know, I've been around the guy, you know. He's he's a, he's a rock and roll soul, but I think that's as good as that is. I'm much more impressed with, you know, Peter's performance when he did his final shows and I think it was in Jersey or New York. You know, to me that Peter has anytime somebody in Kiss says, you know, Peter doesn't play like he used to, or he's not as good as he used to be, you know, it's debatable. I think he's just as good. You know, it sounds more like Kiss when Peter plays. Peter's capable of being Peter Chris and Kiss to this day as he ever was, you know. I think, I, I, to me, I would love to see that, you know, whether it be in a studio record or a live performance, because in the solo performance stuff, you know, he did, you know, with performing like Kiss tunes and solo material, it worked. You know, it might not have been like as, as you know, as good as it should have been, but it was still, it was that, it, it was him, it was that quality, it, it, that, that, that shone through, and I want to see that. You know, that's the thing that I'm not seeing when I go to see Kiss live now, I'm seeing two guys that weren't original members of Kiss playing songs that they didn't write, that they didn't record, and it's an interpretation.
2: Right, but well that's where I'm thinking they need to go at this point. They need to go to that sort of like reinterpretation of their entire catalog. Cool. Yeah, and
4: yeah. Peter,
0: when he did that sort of mm-hmm. farewell solo tour, he did some really cool things. He did a live version of I Can't Stop the Rain. You know, what if he ever, what if he did that as part of a Kiss concert? How cool would that be to hear?
4: Can I also interject now? I'll say this too. I think the coolest thing the Kiss has been doing in recent years is the Kiss Cruise. Yeah. Because you had diversity in terms of material.
2: Yeah.
4: Right? It's not just, you know, we're going to play the hits and the general audience is going to, they want to hear this and that's it. The Kiss Cruise is probably like, if you want to distill it down to like what Kiss is really all about and if you're a true Kiss fan, then they should, you know, do like a Kiss Cruise tour. You know, that's, that's what we all want to see as fans, you know? Mm.
0: Just to play devil's advocate here, though, Alice Cooper certainly doesn't ever need to put out a new album. And yet he does fairly regularly, like clockwork, put out new albums and write good new songs. Is his voice as strong as it was in his heyday in the 70s? No, not by a long shot. But it's still exciting to hear whatever he's going to come up with next. Right. Um Part of me thinks that, you know, all these classic rock acts are stuck in this paradigm of, well, if we're going to do new music, we have to do a whole album. And mm-hmm. maybe old that's yeah. an old fashioned way of looking at it. Right. I mean, maybe Kiss was onto something when they did Samurai Sun, you know, one new song that they had a reason to do because they were collaborating with another group. Mm-hmm. That was cool to hear, you know, when Motley Crue, did a couple just one-off singles, right? Uh, All Bad Things Must End and Sex and then Five mm-hmm. Songs on the Dirt soundtrack. That was cool to hear. You know, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been worth their time to do a full new album, but maybe that's a route that Kiss could go. I'm just saying, like, you know, one new Paul Stanley song, one new Gene song, a new... <laughs> Tommy and Eric's song with them on lead vocals. I'd want to hear that. I mean, mm-hmm. would it would it mm-hmm. sell enough to make it worth their while? Debatable. But in a global pandemic when nobody can tour, what else do they really mm-hmm. have to do?
3: I, I would agree with you, Dave. I would think though. I would. I'll. 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 I'll see you, and then I'll add to it. Is uh, I think they should do it with G. I think they should do it with Peter and Ace. You take that concept and say, hey, there's one Peter, one Ace, one Gene, one Paul. Hey, if that's the last thing they do, fantastic. I would would love to see that.
4: You know, for God's sakes, I mean, those guys are still alive and if they still have creativity in their blood and they can write new material, then we're blessed, you know? Those guys are the masters of the riff. Those guys are the masters of the live presentation. Those guys are the masters of, you know, frontmen as a band, as as a forefront. You know, if we can at least, you know, keep those guys going and give it you know have them generate some new material i think it's still within them you know but you know these days are what they are but you know if they're still creative and they're still able to do what they do then the opportunity is always still there <laughs> i love them i love everything they've done but like you know if you're still there like you know for god's sakes you know we've all been in bands like you know when when a good band is a good band and you're all together it works yeah. and you crave that it's, it's energetic it's it's inspiring you know those guys are still there they can do it <laughs> it'd be so cool to, to be able to hear what they what they do again threw them all together in the same room and said write some songs they, they could do it
2: i was just going to say would it be though i mean there's there's um david o'leary you're a fan of yes you, have you followed the whole arc of life thing that they're doing now do you know what that is sure okay absolutely um, have you listened to the album yeah yeah so it's garbage but it's um yeah it's the the question is, is like, okay, so you have three members of Yes that are not, um, that are technically the Tommy Thayer and the Eric Singer of Yes, okay? They've, they're late to the game. People have literally died and now they're replacing them, okay? So they put out, instead of putting out a Yes album, they create a separate band because Yes is no longer recording. It's not creating any new music. Um, and they put out an album and it's, um, and it's terrible, it's, like, absolutely terrible. The, no, the case in point, the second song on the album is called Talking to Siri. And it's, but it's, so yeah. the thing is, is, like, do we really want another Kiss song? I would prefer something where they would say, like, I'm inspired. You know, the 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 thing that jumps to mind is when the um, whatever member of Crosby, Stills, and Nash is, like, I need to do. Uh, the Kent state shooting just happened. Everybody needs to show up at, uh, this recording studio. Now I just wrote Ohio, you know what I mean? And you all have to play on it. Like if there's a moment like that, where you have something like super inspired like that, then I'm, I'm down for it. But part of me worries that doing it for the sake of doing it might not turn out to be any good.
0: Well, we definitely want it if it's good. I mean, yeah, you know, Mm-hmm. I still want it, even if it's not as good as Destroyer or Rock and Roll Over. But mm-hmm. I don't want it if it's going to be like Peter Chris's One For All, which is an <laughs> album that actively yeah. makes yeah. me feel worse about life every time I hear it. I just I mean, I, it's like the opposite of inspirational.
2: You know, I need to listen to it just to prove uh, that to myself.
0: Yeah, it's it's bad. It tra- sucks the life right out of you. Um, Ryan, you touched on something. Doc McGee and Gene and Paul, to a certain extent, have talked about when the End of the Road tour is over, KISS may try to continue as KISS 2.0. And exactly what form that might take is a little mm. vague at this point. They've talked about doing a reality TV show where they could pick new members now that might take form of an official endorsed kiss tribute band that maybe has a residency in Vegas that people could go see, or it could be an actual continuation of the band where the new band is doing new original material in the vein of kiss kind of like classic 78 has proved is possible to do and do fairly well. Um, what's everybody's thoughts about that is that something you want to see or something that you would run screaming from
2: okay i'm going to fall back on the yes analogy again yes is now basically just the guitarist uh steve howe the rest of the band is Mm -hmm. uh the drummer can't even play all the way through he has to have a guy come in and sit in on like half of the set um and that's it. The rest of the band is non-original members. Um, the, the keyboardist they're using, I think showed up sometime in the seventies, but whatever. So I go to see the show and I, because I'm like, well, I might as well go see it. You know what I mean? I haven't seen a yes show or a concert for that matter for years. So I'll go see it. And I love it. It's fantastic. It's one of the best nights I've ever had. Okay. Cause it's all my favorite stuff. They do literally, songs from the entire history of the band starting from like 19 you know or 1970 all the way up to you know um 2010 or whatever and I love it so part of me hearing this the idea of a kiss 2.0 I'm like that sounds terrible but you know what I might actually enjoy it so that's what I'm thinking I might actually kind of enjoy the fact because they might just seeing the the fan inspiration that they have, you know what I mean? Like they may actually play it harder than KISS would because it means more to them, you know what I mean? So it might actually be interesting to see. The idea of a KISS reality show where they pick new members sounds horrible, but who knows.
0: Well, that reminds me, I saw a really cool show in Hollywood uh, years ago that was the Kingston Trio, right? And that was a band that my dad listened to when he was a teenager. And I don't think they had any original members in the main band. But at one point, they trotted out for like two or three songs, one of the guys that was an original member of the band. And he literally had like an oxygen tank, you know, like next to him on stage. I mean, he was not in great shape. But it was a great show because you could tell that the people that were playing the music may not have been original members, but they love the music. And to right. see this guy, yeah, I'm sure he was a much better singer and performer when he was in the 1950s in the prime of his health, but it was still inspiring, my God, to see this guy in his you know, 70s or 80s get up there despite his health condition and, and give it a go. I mean, how could you
2: help but be inspired by that? Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes that the concept of fan-infused infu- enthusiasm helps that kind of stuff go. You know what I mean? I, I would actually wouldn't mind seeing that at all. I mean if they could tour like for and just do like a club tour for like you know 25 bucks a ticket or something instead of something outrageous and i would totally go see that i'll, I'll
4: jump in and say that you know i'm a, obviously a you know rock fan and a blues you know guitar fan you know i love going to see buddy guy play live he's always he's like he's the only link that we have for these days to like Clapton and Hendrix, and he he's got it, man. When he plays, this is a Hendrix lick. It sounds like Hendrix. When he plays Clapton, it sounds like Clapton, man. You know, and I don't doubt that. I love the fact that he's doing what he's doing, and I appreciate being able to see that in a live situation. But I would not want to see a Buddy Guy imitator do Buddy Guy. You know, and at the same time too, that I think that applies to Kiss. I mean, I, I've been in, in tribute bands with you know Kiss tribute bands. It, you know, it, it's cool to do it. It's fun to do it. It's rewarding and it feels great, but it's also kind of an empty feeling. Like, I don't, you know, there are tons of bands out there like, you know, name them, um, we'll just insert names, Foghat, um, you know, da, 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 where it's like, only the drummer that's in the band or Humble Pie where it's only the drummer Why in the Cherry band, doesn't know?
2: actually even have an original member of the band, the public the, they're just under the name.
4: Yeah, you know, and again, point being, it's it's cool to know that, you know, those bands can perform those songs and build themselves as those bands. And people can enjoy that, I don't, I'm not saying don't do that, but do I want to see that? Probably not. You know, I'm the kind of guy that says, you know, I'm a huge KISS fan and there have been tours that KISS has done that I have not attended because I didn't, I didn't dig the lineup, you know? So sell me the concept of like somebody else performing KISS's music and, and give me, and that's something I need to go see, debatable.
0: Okay, Here's here's the concept. I say, hey Mike, road trip to Vegas, We're going to go see the official endorsed Kiss tribute band and play some Kiss mini golf and eat some good food and have drinks and have a fun weekend.
4: I would do that, Bill, because I want to hang out with you. Okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's
4: it. That is the bottom line. You know, that sounds like a great time to me, but, you know, the show will be the afterthought. I'm sorry. And you too, Dave. (laughs)
2: Vegas is only... A three-day drive from here. <laughs> yeah, it seems
4: like three days from here too. So
2: yeah, <laughs> but you is it fifteen hours from you guys? Isn't that the deal? Well, you know, no, depending on how fast
4: you drive. Yeah, no, it's not. You
2: not can that. get you can get from Pittsburgh to LA in twenty four hours. So you need four people that can stay awake. If you're Sammy Hagar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's uh, you're not. You're, well, yeah. I mean, you are going kind of fast, but I somebody. Told me that that's how long it took them to get to LA. They had four drivers. They all cycled eight-hour shifts. Me five days. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Well,
3: me too. So, so
0: Dave, would you yeah. go see Kiss 2.0, or would you want to see a Kiss 2.0?
3: Not really. You know, I, I just, I, I, I worry about them turning them into the Blue Man Group. Yeah. You yeah. know, and because Kiss is a different, you know, different animal. You know, they, they you know, I know people associate with the makeup and the costumes in the show. And, you know, do I want to see their legacy continue? Yeah, I wouldn't be lying to say, no, I don't want to see the legacy continue. I just worry about what it gets morphed into when it becomes something else that's kind of out of their control. And um, I just, I don't want to see it. You know, I mean, it's just, I, I, I got to tell you that too. I mean, when I hear of bands like Molly Hatchett, no original members, you know, mm-hmm. that just doesn't do anything for me. You know, uh, they bought the rights to the name. Doesn't make you them. Doesn't mean you have the magic that those original guys had when they created that music. There's something about that, that magic the original people have that created those hits and those songs. I, I, like, I like that. It just mm-hmm. it, I, You know, I've seen Foreigner. I love Foreigner. Huge Foreigner fan. It's just mm-hmm. not the same thing until they brought everybody back which I think would be cool maybe they did it this time. You know, when, you know, Kiss did something like that on a smaller scale. Do what Foreigner does. You know, you got one version of the band that's there with Mick Jones as the anchor, but by the way, Mick Jones isn't always there these days either. No. So, no, you know, no. you have Mick Jones as an anchor, and then you have the original Foreigner come on. That's kind of cool because the original guys are there, but this whole idea of no single original member member especially in a band like kiss i just see it getting twisted apart in a way that would become more of a um a saturday morning comic thing you know kind of something fun and interesting to see but people that really don't understand and get the band and i just assume they just they let it retire
0: it would be something for the casual fan for sure
4: it would But can we also take it to another level and say, like, let's say you were, you know, Johnny said musician that, you know, can be a guy that you might sound like Paul Stanley, Ray Fraley, or Gene Simmons and play like those guys. And you were in the up and running to be considered for that position. Would you take on that position? Would you feel comfortable in taking on that role? Whether or not you have like a living or a career or you've got income, you know, like is that something you would believe in as a concept you could sell to people?
0: I think there's enough Kiss tribute bands out there that people that, that you wouldn't have the trouble finding people that wanted to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it would necessarily be something they'd want to do for the rest of their lives, or the rest of their music careers. Yeah. Um,
2: I have generally said that if there's any way that I can make a living playing music, even if it's music I don't particularly like, I would do it. <laughs> I mean that I, that's perfect. To, to be perfectly honest, that's exactly what my philosophy's been. Uh, ever since there was the vague hope that Robespierre was going to become famous. You know what I mean? I just figured if I could figure out a way to make money doing this, then I'm going to do it. Mm. You know, and if it means playing, you know, Wild Cherry covers, you know, or whatever, then I'd be like, play that funky music, White Boy, (laughs) because, you know, at least I would make, you know what I mean? It'd be a nice way. It'd be a way that I would have dreamed of making money. So, yeah. I, I doubt I'm in the running to replace Gene, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> I at least have the charisma, right? So well, Of course. <laughs> if not the chops.
0: <laughs> so, Ryan, would you go see a Kiss 2.0 or buy an album by them?
1: Well, after hearing your guys' uh, testimonies, I'm um, kind of soured the idea. Although we did have fun. I we went to the park. Uh, where was that? In uh the valley, we saw a kiss tribute band, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a free concert, right? That was worth the it was money. worth that the was free cool. admission. Could have a little yeah. more pyro, but uh, but how about this, guys? I was uh, I may sound a little crazy, but what about uh, kiss maybe in a few years, kiss the hologram tour once they perfect the uh. <laughs> Hologram techniques, which they done for Dio and Elvis, and uh, I think a couple others so far. Even though it's in the primitive stages, maybe they could uh, get something a stage show. Because how I don't know if we could trust four guys to be in Kiss. You know, in, in new guys. Paul and Gene. Uh, they do something wrong. They hurt the Kiss image. You know, make you know do something you know, drug addicts, whatever, car accidents, uh, maybe better just to slap a hologram up there on stage if they can ever get it to not be so herky-jerky.
0: Yeah, call me old-fashioned, but if I go see a band, I want to see live yeah. human beings playing music. And I, I don't know. I, don't know. But- I
1: saw the deal one, and at first I was skeptical, too. And even though you had a full band, i say, you know what, this is kind
4: of kind of weird. It's kind of surreal, and even Did, though you know, well, you know, the problem is if you know, I don't want to put put like a bookend onto this discussion. But like, if you want to see what Kiss sounded like in 1977 or 79 or 75, you can look online and, and know what that sounds like. You know, and yeah, and if if you want to see what you know somebody sounds like playing Kiss songs now, you 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 have that opportunity. But like, is that going to be as good as what you is what you can find? you know it's not like the 70s in the old days where like we didn't have like bootleg videos and you know what does the kiss sound like you had to go see the you had to go see them play live you know that was the, the spirit of it you know now we're so privileged we can see all those eras you know and evaluate all those eras and it it's up to the listener to decide which which version you want to see you know
3: yeah you know, i think the one idea that i think would probably appeal to me would be something that would be more akin to maybe a Vegas show or a Broadway show done in this manner, where you have your musicians slash actors, whatever you want to call them, and you kind of replicate in a way a timeline where you see the band and their formative period when they're in clubs. You see that version of Kiss on stage. Mm. And then they evolve, you know, the, the setting, set list, I mean, the set itself evolves a little bit where now you get into a live. Then you get into the you know the Destroyer or the, or the Love Gun era look, costume, sound, and the material, but you're not going to see KISS 2.0. It is a show about KISS and the history of KISS. That would be fun. Uh, That would be fun. Yes. I could see that. Yeah.
1: And I would be the Beatles.
0: Yeah. All right. (laughs) So what does KISS mean to you, and why should anybody care about this band?
2: Call us out. Who's
4: up,
0: John?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess Kiss is a band that is one of the first rock bands that I ever liked. After maybe the Beatles, you know what I mean, and the Monkees, which were the bands that were played in the in the house that I liked at first as a kid. Um, they mean theatricality. They mean uh, touching on your dark side without being maybe dangerous they mean standing up for oneself i mean there is a level of uh being kiss being the bullied band you know what i mean it's it's um and you being the bullied kid you know what i mean that they were they sort of appealed to my sense of you know strangeness weirdness my love of science fiction my love of comic books um yeah i mean Ooh, that's like a huge question. Uh, I know. Yeah, they're, they're a band that I've never really, I mean, they're a band that now that I've listened to everything and read everything that I can and done research on them, they're a band that was in constant struggle, and I wouldn't doubt that any other band wouldn't be, but it's kind of interesting to see how they solve the problems of creating their art with different, you know, being handed sort of different canvases, like members were in, members were out, do you use outside sources do you keep it all inside how do you produce it you know what i mean like what are we going to how are we going to be uh influenced by the stuff that's outside of us that kind of stuff um so yeah i mean that's i can't come up with one final answer but yeah they're a band that have you know always appealed to my um sense of individuality but also yeah my sense of science fiction stepping out of oneself you know that kind of stuff more than say any other band has
0: okay um we can come back to you if if further thoughts occur to you as well but uh dave o'leary
3: yeah that's that's a very deep very powerful question because kiss means a lot to me on a lot of different levels you know as a As a kid who had the ravenous appetite in all things music, starting with Motown and then, you know, the older sisters, bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, Chicago, um, pretty diverse. But it was when KISS came along that it just appealed to me at the right point, you know, that time of my life that was very, very awkward, very vulnerable. Right. The kid that had, you know, starting to come into his own, his own identity, you know, acne, you know, and all those things that change your life, you know, the interest in girls and, and things were certainly all going on and, you know, but Kiss was that band and you can actually become that member, you know, in your own mind, in your own bedroom, in your own fantasy, you know, you can become a member of Kiss and, you know, by, you can be, you know, you can be that kid and that's the kid, but you can kind of turn into that superhero. And I love that stuff. You know, I love, you know, I'm a superhero person. I'm a Batman fanatic. You know, I love comics. I love all things Halloween, as you know, uh, I love the spectacle of 4th of July kiss. To a 10- or 11-year-old boy was all of those things and then song. But I also have that, you know, that the musical journey for me was, yeah, I was a budding guitar player. I started playing guitar at a very, very, very young age, you know, through my sisters. But it was Kiss that brought it to the other level that made me really want to do it. Not just to practice and go through the motions of learning your scales and your chords yeah. and, you know, learning the Jim Croce song. It was something more primal than that. It was something that I immediately appealed to me that I could do that too. You know, I could be the kid that could put the makeup on and become someone else that almost that superhero and that mystique and play that loud guitar and talk about the girls that I liked so much that I saw, or whatever it was that I was feeling as a teenager. Right. But that, that's, that strongly appealed to me. It made me want to become a really actually proficient, good guitar player. And then beyond that, you know, I have my relationship with my best friend that I've shared with you guys and, and that was our journey together yeah. and, and losing him at a very, very young age. I think my love of KISS through the years has in a way been a continuation of, of, of my love of my friend. You know, I kind of my way of, of staying uh, connected to him on that journey the best that I can. So on that emotional and personal level, yeah, um, that's that's a hard thing for me to, qual- to qualify in words. But it's very, very strong, and it's something I really appreciate at this point in my life that I can say, hey, they've lasted 48 years. Yeah. And that's a hell of a long time, and just something to be attached to for that long. It it becomes much, it it becomes very, very personal in ways I don't think any of us can really put into words in in the most appropriate way. Ryan? Yeah, I think
1: it's all about, uh, you know, we're all kind of the same age, so we all kind of grew up in the 70s. That was, a you know, obviously a very special time, you know, for me, the late 70s. Um, you know, Star Wars and uh, fantasy and Marvel comic books, as we mentioned. Um, but for me, Kiss, the first, I did, I wasn't into Kiss music like you guys were. The first thing I got kiss cards i mean i saw these kiss cards and i'm like what the hell and there's stuff on the back so it's a little show and tell session here so i gotta tell you kiss has been you know more to me than music the second thing i remember 1980 is a chew box a yes so this thing, i used to look at this and i used to just say wow kiss without makeup i can't even imagine kiss without makeup it's just You know, so obviously I got a couple more goodies here. Uh, Just this artwork is just iconic. The art really just.
0: And Ryan's holding up the the cover sticker sticker for Rock and Roll Over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was when I got the KISS fan, it became like a collection thing. You know, it's like, what what can I find from that era that I kind of missed? You know, it's more like this is for Dave here, if you can see it.
4: On the back of the Uh, tattoos.
1: Yeah, yes. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean if you look you can talk about kiss music and then you can talk about the merchandising, the image, the marketing. I mean, it's almost like we could you could just talk about you know, forever you could talk about you know, oh, the collectible originals, you know,
4: the cards. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, the eight track. And I got to show of course this thing. Look at that. Who would put Oh, the love in
0: insert. I mean, wow. Yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> to me, that stuff. And, you know, in high school, I remember, you know, buying, you know, uh, on Good Time Video, you know, Kiss Meets the Phantom, and then getting this, you know, this this magazine off eBay, which I got jeans assigned they like 20 years ago you know even though it was you know whatever people say about the movie it's just like I used to just watch it just to like look at them and how they move and how they look so to me it's just like Kiss is is just like a fantasy and of course they said you could be a rock star too you know and you want to pick up a guitar and you want to have fans screaming and, and girls running after you and all that stuff but uh, to sum it up, I will. I want to show you my shirt. If you can see it, Colin. Oh yeah, from the Marvel Comics. Yeah, Kiss will be the superheroes of rock. So that's what I will say. Pure fancy, uh, larger than life, uh, rock and roll superstars. It's just you know, it's a lot more than a band than it just like a normal band, you know. So it's hard to put into words, but that's my, that's my uh, pep talk for today.
4: Yeah, for me it's really easy because I was always raised in a household of, of great music. I was raised on you know a household where you hear like Three Dog Night, you hear Sly and Family Stone, you hear Queen, you know, and all those bands were great. I I would break out my dad's Elton John Captain Fantastic record and pretend to play the keyboard that was on the cover of the record and pretend to play keyboards to the point where my dad bought me a little piano, you know miniature piano by the way which I could not play but it was <laughs> it was terrible like I, I, I but I would sit there and play along with the record but he played Elton John I would play pretend to be Elton John you know it was terrible and he tolerated it but it wasn't until my cousin Patty uh, which is on my mom's side showed me alive to two the insert you know the, the, the exploding you know image on the inside and she said you need to check this out and it was segueing into from, from making love into love gun. And listen, that she's like, listen to this, it sounds like a machine gun. But love gun. It's like, oh, okay, that's great. So point being, none of those bands I've ever heard before inspire me to play a musical instrument to you know, to the best of my ability. But once I saw that, you know, the Kiss Alive 2, you know, gatefold and heard Kiss Alive 2, that I realized that that's what I want to do on some level. You know, never to. I would never achieve you know the, you know the, the the amount of success that they had, but I, I needed to do something like that. And the cool thing about you know the Alive Two record was the image lived up to what was on you know the vinyl. When you put on the record, it sounded like it looked. You know, it worked mm-hmm. as a package. You know, and and unfortunately, I missed the opportunity to see Kiss on the Kiss Alive Two tour. But when I saw them in nineteen seventy nine on the Dynasty tour, I just remember seeing Ace and, and hearing the band like that freaking volume and power like i gotta do that you know that isn't so inspiring you know you know if you play in a small club and you're being told to turn down and if you you know if you're playing like a big venue and you know you're just blasting out life
0: <laughs>
4: you know if you got good songs you know for god's sakes you know but for me kiss was just about it's it's power rock you know like it's all about the, the ultimate riff you know i i'm you know anytime somebody says, you know, it's more about, you know, the lyrics, like, you know, anytime somebody says, you know, stairway to heaven, like, there's a lady, sure, you know, are you inspired by that? Or are you inspired by the riff? You know, and, and that's what Kiss is about. Like, it's always been about Detroit City, like that, that, that opening riff is badass. It draws you in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's where it, where it takes you from there is up to you. And it's up to them as an artist. They've always been able to you know bridge that gap in terms of, you know, be, being like a, you know, a bridge between you know humble pie and, and Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Hendrix and the psychedelia of Ace's Frehley's guitar playing—they they, they bring it all together. You know, there's so much, there's so much depth to what they do as, as an artist. Um, and to be able to see those guys when they were at their prime in the '70s is a tremendous benefit. You know, I didn't see them you know in '75 or '77, but I'm glad I saw them in '79, and that just left a huge mark on me. And I wouldn't be anywhere. That I am in terms of being an artist or you know musician or you know creator whatever you want to call it, if I didn't see those guys and hear that record alive to it for the first time, and that, that had a tremendous impact on me. I'm sure it did to all of us. You know?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. That is one of the reasons I wanted to become a musician. Was yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, no, yeah, to be in a position where you can play those
4: songs live with a band that you was know, paying tribute to Kiss and you know, but do it loudly. In a venue and blow things up in a venue where you shouldn't been blowing things up. It's a tremendous benefit. I did that. I'm so fortunate to be able to have done that. But I probably could have killed some people. But you know, we were all there. We survived. I mean, I I appreciate those days. You know, those songs are so great, man. It's like if you put on sorry if you put on Kiss Alive Two, Detroit City, I could lift a mountain. If you ask me, can you lift that mountain? Mm -hmm. I could do that. You know, and that Mm -hmm, is a tremendous mm -hmm. tribute to. A great song and what that means to somebody you know in, in their heart
0: yeah mm-hmm. kiss to me was the first band that i fell in love with and i know i, I told the story before but um you know i i can pinpoint exactly when it was because i was in a record store with my dad and i saw rock and roll over on the wall and I said oh what's that and he goes oh that's rock and roll you wouldn't like that you know <laughs> and some point after that I was in I think it was first grade and we were all playing at recess and they said what do you want to what do you want to play well, you want to play swat or cowboys and indians or superheroes and somebody said let's play kiss and i said okay cool what's that and he said well you get to be a guy from outer space you get to be a demon you get to be a cat guy you get to be the star child and i go okay that's cool and i went over to my buddy jesse stein's house his older brother had the first album and we listened to it and i wanted more and my mother who always loved to bargain took me to the record store and we got kiss the originals. And I don't remember a world without kiss, you know, it's, it's been this thing that's always been there through highs and, and lows and short of my parents and my friends, probably the biggest Biggest influence on me. You know, the, the idea that, that anything is possible if you work hard and you believe in yourself and you're not self destructive. Um, I've spent so much time in my life thinking about KISS that I've almost developed a kind of like mystical connection to them. And that probably sounds silly or crazy to, you know, the the casual KISS fan that that thinks all they've ever done is rock and roll all night and Love Gun and a couple other songs. But for me, KISS has been fundamentally the reason why I've, lived my life the way I have, why I've made the friends that I've made. I mean, if they weren't pivotal in establishing those friendships, they were certainly a very valuable component of them. I mean, when I look at the guys on this panel, John, Ryan, Mike, you know, KISS was probably the reason why we became friends initially, right? And Dave, you you too. I mean, you know, we all played in bands together over the years. Um, Dave, the only reason why we didn't play in a band is because we didn't meet each other until later. But, you know, um, and I, when I think about it, it's, it's just kind of, it transcends music. It transcends a simple band, right? I mean, and Kiss, to me, at this point, is... Yes, it's about the, the four guys or the other guys that have played in the band over the years. But beyond that, it's much more about the people and the experiences that I've had because of KISS, right? I mean, and all of us, to a one, I've had incredible, magical experiences having to do with KISS with each one of you, yeah be it the Gene Simmons Vault experience with David O'Leary, be it running into Gene Simmons at the Century City Mall with John Carson, be it going to the in and out KISS concert and sneaking backstage and seeing KISS up close with Mike Gavigan, be it getting in to see Kiss playing the private show with, with Ryan for Detroit rock city, the movie, you know, just through sheer luck and determination and force of will. I mean, and that's just scratching the surface, you know? Uh, So, you know, I also think Kiss is escapism. Yes. But, I think implicit in anything that is escapism is an inherent criticism of mainstream society. That is, well, if you need to escape from mainstream society, then there's an implicit implication that something is wrong with mainstream society, that it is not fulfilling all of your needs in and of itself. Right. And so I, I think, part of me one of the reasons i love kiss is because it's demonstrated to me how wrong mainstream society can be and it's made me question a lot of things throughout my life because if mainstream society can be so wrong about the value of a band like kiss then the the next question becomes what else might they be wrong about
3: you know dave you bring up a good point i mean and it's, it's one that it really needs to be underlined about a thousand times. And that is the one thing I can tell you about KISS fans. We meet each other and we have an instant connection. And in many ways, lifetime, oh, yeah. connect, lifelong connections. And in some ways, for me, like yourself, it's KISS almost became with my friends and I our standby me adventure. You know, you know the movie. You know, we're brought us yeah. together in some very fun and unique and, and 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 circumstances. where we've learned about ourselves as people, and about you know, budding budding young men and our journeys in life, and and we've continued those relationships. My friends that I grew up with, as kiss fans, we're all still friends to this day. Mm-hmm. We're all musicians. We're all horror fans. We're all comic book fans. But we do have that common thread um, in our interests, which maybe to your point um, of how different we are, maybe to outside society. We don't fit the mainstream. You know, yeah. we're not wired the way right. other people are wired necessarily, because we do have some very unique um, and almost magical, you know, beliefs. You know, and, and things that are fun and unique and exciting and different. And We're not afraid to go ask questions and and, and, and look in places that other people wouldn't, you know, look because we're curious. And uh, you know, there's just a, there's a strength and a unification that comes from being a KISS fan when you meet other like-minded fans that is unique to this band, in my opinion, because I've never seen anything like it in other bands where they form these kind of lifelong friendships. And uh, I I think that is a part of the equation. I guess I'll make it personal in this way. When I went to London with KISS a number of years ago and I knew I was getting my name on one of the kiss albums at that time. You know, I didn't think about it in the narcissistic sense of, Oh gee, let me pound my chest and take a victory lap. My first thought was my friendships. Oh my God. All of us collectively as fans, look what we have done. This is our continued journey. This is about Hmm. us. How magical is this? Never once did I think it was about me. I always thought it was about people like you, my friends. And I was just a representation of our friendships. And I still believe that to this day.
2: You bring up a good point about the idea of the camaraderie of the KISS fam. There's been times when I've had um, parents come in for student-teacher conferences and one guy had a you know, a KISS t-shirt on. And I wound up talking to him for a half an hour, not about his child's ability in in school, but about what his favorite kid, you know, if someone's wearing a kiss (laughs) shirt, you know that they have a deep knowledge of it. If someone's wearing a, you know, recently there's been a lot of like, uh, t-shirts where bands are, you know, a lot of, um, you know, the Ramon shirts and things like that have suddenly become sort of fashion statements and so forth. Right. Or Iron Maiden
0: head or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know that when you oh, meet yeah. a Kiss fan, you're gonna wind up like having something to talk about. I mean, there's even there's a guy in our Scout Den, um, who you know, we in terms of like you know we we're you know we both have kids that are in Scouts. But I spent an entire weekend. I mean, literally an entire weekend because when you're camping, you're with someone all the time. Talking about Kiss with this one guy, you know, I mean everything. You know what I mean? Because he was he was such a fan. So yeah, there. It's I would almost argue there's no such thing as a casual Kiss fan. There is only you know maybe people that will go once or twice or whatever. But it, it is interesting. There is a definite. There is something that pulls everybody together because it is, you know, we're all knights in Satan's service or whatever. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Keeps us all, you know, that that binds us all together. Because you, you can't be a casual kiss fan because you, you know, people will beat you up for liking kiss. You know what I mean? So sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah.
0: And and the other thing we haven't even really touched on is you know I I think about this sometimes. If Kiss had called it a day um, after Unmasked, when their popularity had started to wane in the states, they would still be probably considered one of the great hard rock bands of the 70s and maybe the pinnacle mm. of glam rock and, and that kind of thing. But they would sort of be a historical footnote. You know. Mm. To me, the thing that makes mm. them a great band is when their popularity ebbed at its lowest point. You know, It's, it's one thing to be young and, and to go for it and to have nothing to lose. But once you've hit the top, Right. And once you've seen your career rise and fall that they had the the sheer force of will to keep on fighting through their lowest points and to re-reignite their career and scale those heights again that to me is one of the most inspiring things about the band that that inspires me on a personal level you know that they have been there for me throughout all of these years through all all of my highs and lows I always had them. It always spoke to me. And maybe because like you guys, uh, you know, I loved science fiction and fantasy and horror and comics, but also I think something had to do with the fact that Gene Simmons was a school teacher and my dad was a teacher, Mm -hmm. you know? And so had it not been for Kiss, would I have ever even really fallen in love with rock and roll in general? I don't know. Maybe not. You know, it was the perfect gateway point of entry between, you know, them being real life superheroes when you were young enough to still believe in Santa Claus and everything was possible. And, you know, my life would be so much poorer if there had been no kiss that I, I can't even think about it.
2: Yeah.
4: Can I counter your point, Dave? Too. I mean, for God's sakes, man. You know these guys again. Catalog, repertoire. Like, there are so many bands. you would call them MC Two or the the you, know, the you know the you know the East Side Dolls or you know you name a band. Like they've got like two records and they're legendary. You know status figure in terms of rock and roll. I mean, where are they now? Where's Kiss now? They're still touring. You know, if things weren't weird like they are now, they would still be touring. You know? that that's that amazing. You know, they've outlasted all of us in a way. I kind of hope they outlast me. I hope, that, you know, I I hope you know, that the kiss continues in some crazy way, and those guys outlive me because it, they were so inspiring. And like you know, I, I mentioned their bands like you know, Three Dog Night and Sly and Family Stone that I heard before I heard Kiss. But when I heard Kiss, I realized what I wanted to do. You know, I, I and that made sense to me. You know, and they, they they were so great. What, they're still so great at what they do. But my God, <laughs> but they've never stopped they're still with us to this day you know and that is a testament to their creativity and their passion and their creativity and you know there have been so many bands that we all admire and love that have never matched up in terms of you know what they've been able to do or you know be able to do it in terms of like being able to live and be able to be in a band together you know for god's sake the beatles are not going to get back together you know motley crew is probably going to do another tour you know next year if we're lucky you know but you know the kiss is still there they, they can they can do it and it just it's i mean god and if you can just last point is for god's sakes if you would like take your casual fan to a kiss show they would they would probably get it you know they would understand what that's all about um and either get or you don't man there's just so much power in their music it's, it's undeniable in a way you know how could you not go to see those guys and be blown away by the fact that what they're doing in terms of the musical presentation but also in the in, in visual side as well. It's it's They wrote the book. They always say, like, you know, anytime you go see, like, a Shania Twain show or a, whoever it is, you know, and they're doing, like, you know uh, explosives and pyro, they're doing a kiss show, yeah. and they're right. I'm sorry. They, 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 wrote, they wrote the book.
0: Well, my counterpoint to that was I don't want kiss to continue beyond me, you know, because I, you know, I, I sort of had to contemplate my own mortality when I had cancer. And... Yeah. And uh, I don't want them to live beyond me because I don't want to miss anything.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Let me interject here, man. On a personal note, I'm proud of you. You know that you overcame that. That says a lot about you, and it says a lot about your friends and your support system, brother. I know firsthand it's it's a hell of a journey to go through. And now that I know that about you, I, I have that much more tremendous respect for you. So thank you, man.
0: Any final words
3: about KISS? Yeah, I'll give you this. Any of you guys world travelers like me? I've been around. (laughs) I've noticed something over the last 10 years of world travels interesting from a a fan perspective and makes me very proud, too, is I noticed the number of T-shirts. You know, I'll be sitting at a restaurant somewhere just walking down some random street. I see, you know, I'll see a Beatles shirt. And I'll be walking through London, through Soho, and Kiss shirt, another Kiss shirt, a Kiss shirt, another Kiss shirt. Now I'm not saying it's, you know, there's a parade of, of people wearing Kiss shirts, but I see them often enough. And I see them with bands like The Beatles, ACDC, Led Zeppelin. And I think to myself as a fan, wow, I got to be a part of that. And I'd be a part of that as through being a fan and being connected to other fans like ourselves. Um, that to me is just a reminder of the the power of that band as it continues, because, you know, look, a lot of people can pick a lot of things to wear um, all over the world, but they're wearing our band shirt. And that, that's a, that, and, and they're a very small company, by the way, when I say that. Um, so it, when you see somebody wearing a rock and roll t-shirt, you notice, I do. And uh, we are probably in that top 1% of, of fans around the world that are, proud of the to wear that, you know, that shirt and tell you, they are fans like wearing it on their sleeve and, and Hey, what a hell of a journey, man. And it's, I just hope it continues for a little while longer.
0: Me too. And on that note, I guess we will wrap it up. Uh, the next band that rock album analysts will be taking an in-depth look at will be Motley Crue. So next week, we will take a look at Too Fast for Love as well as the initial single that they put out before Too Fast for Love. So until then, take care, everybody. Have a great week.